Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of Jack's Radio. Today, I've got a very special guest on board, and it was an absolute pleasure to speak with him. Martin Hibbert was at the Manchester Arena just over three years ago now, when a bomb was detonated following an Ariana Grande concert. Martin was the closest survivor to the explosion and spent a long time in hospital after the event. He is really honest and completely open about the experience, which I am extremely grateful for. Martin has also defied what conventional wisdom might hold and has stood unassisted after going through some physiotherapy over in Australia after a bolt went through his spinal cord at T10 around his belly button. He was told that he should get used to being in a wheelchair, but his attitude was otherwise. Martin continues to raise money and awareness for spinal injuries, as well as being an absolute inspiration to others around the world suffering similar injuries. And that also includes some rather famous faces. So it's an absolute pleasure and an absolute honour to be able to share this with you. Please enjoy episode 11 with Martin Hibbert. Okay, mate. Well, first off, Martin, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. No problem. Anytime. How have you been doing? Yeah, good. It's been, uh, obviously, it was a challenging week last week with the anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, kind of Friday night uh, was tough, as it normally is. But uh, uh, obviously, and that was even more so kind of being under lockdown and not being able to get out and see people and hug people and, and kind of do things that you'd normally do. So, uh, so yeah, it was a different experience, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, again, just kind of the love and support I was getting, you know, over social media and via kind of personal messages and stuff was really nice. So I knew, I knew I wasn't on my own and obviously my wife was here and Alfie, my dog, and I saw my daughter in the afternoon, which was nice, which was a real good, I'm, I'm glad I did that. Not seen her for uh, a few months, so uh, that was a, a real nice thing to do, and, and see her in uh, in good spirits as well. So that that kind of made me uh, kind of buck up a bit. And then uh, yeah, weather's been beautiful, hasn't it? So uh, yeah, it's been awesome. Makes it uh, you know kind of doesn't doesn't feel as uh, as bad, does it? When uh, when the weather's nice. Uh, so for, for for people listening, could you um, obviously you, you've you've touched on it briefly there already. Could you tell people a little bit about your story, Martin? Yeah, of course, yeah. So um, back in, well, three years ago, back in May 2017, I took my daughter Eve uh, to the Manchester Arena um, to watch Ariana Grande. Um, They were uh, VIP tickets uh, that I'd got for the the Christmas before, uh, so kind of five, six months previously. And uh, yeah, went went along to the concert, and obviously um, we know what happened there. And unfortunately, uh, me and Eve uh, were walking through the foyer when someone had detonated his um, bomb, and uh, we we were the closest survivors. So we were we were only ten meters away when uh, when he detonated, and uh, luckily we're still here to uh, to tell the tale. So, what was the what was your immediate experience after after all of that happened? So yeah, it was always um, 
the decision that we'd leave through the encore. A lot of people forget that the concert was actually Monday night. People people think that it was a weekend, but it wasn't. It was a Monday night, and Eve was at school the, the day after. Right. And we know with uh, American concerts, they're never on time. Um, and uh, as per usual, uh, she was late. Um, and obviously, I wanted to get her home, so we were we were always going to leave during the encore, just so that one, we wouldn't get be stuck in the the masses getting out. Two, getting out the car park because it's horrendous getting out the arena car park because there's literally one exit, uh, and you can be in there an hour. And so, so the decision was always to kind of make a sharp exit. Uh, and obviously, gutted that you know we, we decided to do that. But again, I think the fact that we were running probably saved our lives as well because I think uh, had we not have been running through the foyer, then uh, we, we would definitely have been kind of in the, in the blast zone where everybody died and we, we probably wouldn't be here. So on one hand, obviously gutted that uh, we made that decision and, and we didn't stay for the full uh, the full concert. But again, kind of having that, kind of let's get to the car as quick as we can has probably saved our lives as well. And obviously after after it happened, you were, you were rushed to hospital. Um which was just remind me which was the hospital you were rushed to and what was your experience i was at salford royal so pretty much i was fortunate unfortunate i suppose there's 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 two arguments to it um i i think i was fortunate enough to be awake the whole time um so i wasn't in any pain or any any distress um let's say my main my main kind of worry was just to ensure Eve was all right and that she got out safe and well. To be fair, I, I knew I was dying and, and, and you know, I, I could feel my body basically wanting to shut down uh, and I was just fighting that uh, and, and just trying to, to stay awake and to stay alive and, until Eve had got out and that I kind of, if I was going to go, you know, I was going to go knowing that Eve had got out and that hopefully she was kind of in, in safe hands and, you know, better to be in a, an ambulance or with paramedics than being on a, a cold concrete floor, which is where we probably spent a good hour, hour and a half before before we got any help, which is another debate and argument uh, we'll, we'll say for another time. Um, so, yeah, so I remember, I remember pretty much everything, kind of at the aftermath and, and obviously the, the scene at the time and, you know the screams and and you know like I say what wasn't a nice wasn't a nice thing to certainly go through um, and then um, when I when I see Eve being carried out that's when I kind of kind of give up and that's it that's all I remember then and I, I don't remember anything then for probably a good couple of weeks and when I, when I wake up in intensive care a couple of weeks later and was that so was that at Salford Royal that you woke up. So, yeah, so, uh, and again, I've only just found out this recently because I've, I've met up with the paramedic that uh, saved my life and, and took me to the hospital. But initially, I'd actually been marked down to go to, to Withenshaw Hospital, which was probably a good 40 minutes away from the arena. Uh, but thankfully, Paul, the paramedic, who's been a paramedic for 20 years and very experienced, kind of looked at me and kind of made, actually went, went above his boss's heads and said, look, you know, if we take Martin to Withenshaw, he's not going to survive. He's better going to Salford Royal. Uh, so thankfully, let's say Paul kind of made that decision and took me to Salford Royal, where they have a, a, a big major trauma centre, 
and then uh, yeah, had uh, two seven-hour life-saving operations uh, to one to remove obviously the bolts, twenty-two bolts that were all over my body, uh, and then uh, the second one was to go in and, and, and basically take take the bolt out of my spine that severed my spinal cord and just clear everything up. You know, so I think initially they were they were going to do everything in one go, which would have been about fourteen hours. But I think something happened on on the table, and uh, they had to they had to bring me around and, and take me back. So they did it. They did it over two separate days. But it, it was touch and go for a couple of days. And uh, yeah, again, thankfully, you know, here to here to tell the tale. And so, what what was what was the kind of journey after uh, being in intensive care? Where was it uh, after that for you? So altogether, I was at Salford Royal for, uh, I think, about six, seven weeks. So I, I was in intensive care for a couple of weeks. Then um, I went down to um, high dependency and then spent a week or so there. And then the majority then of the time I spent in trauma, uh, which I remember I remember bits and bobs, but I was on so much medication and morphine and, you know, it's kind of... I get flashbacks every now and again, you know, but there's a lot. There's a lot I don't remember. Like people will tell me they came visiting me. I haven't, I haven't got any recollection of that whatsoever, uh, which is which is quite funny because uh, they sound like I'm, I'm I'm talking like I'm talking to you now, but I have literally no no memory of it whatsoever. So God knows what I said and and what I did and uh, but uh, so yeah, so I don't really have a lot of memory from my time at Salford Royal. Like I say, I remember, I remember uh, obviously the, the doctors and the nurses who I'm still friendly with today. Um, and, and it was at that time, obviously, I was still very ill. And obviously, my wounds and, you know, I mean, I had 22 golf ball-sized holes all over my body, you know. One that had gone straight through my arm, so I couldn't, I couldn't move my left arm. Couldn't do, I think I said to you last week, couldn't, couldn't even do that. You know what I mean? So the, the you know, one of one of the first bits I remember is just being in in, in pain, but having like, dreading the physios coming because I knew that they were gonna kind of have me doing all kinds of things. You know what I mean? And again, just even to do that was hard to kind of touch my fingers. So again, it was just just doing that, having resistant bands, uh, and then as I got as I got more strength and, and fitness back, it was a case of kind of learning to feed myself again and, and uh, learning to sit up in bed, learning to move in bed, get shuffled down to the bottom of my bed, get out of bed into a, a wheelchair, uh, and, and just little things like that, you know, things that uh, were bloody difficult, you know, but actually it was it was the first steps in this new world and, it, and it's kind of the basics of what I would need when I moved to the spinal unit, um, you know, a few weeks later. So it was, it was a tough time, but again, um, I kind of, when I said to you last week, I, I felt like I was in a bubble. Um, you know, obviously I was in a, I was in a private room, uh, just because of all the, I think I said on, on when you interviewed me last week, that uh, we had a, a lot of issues with kind of members of the press and reporters trying to get into my room. Uh, so we, I went, I went into a private room, and we had to have like passcodes and security and passwords set up for people coming in, which was difficult because obviously my wife said at the time, you know, all we, all we were bothered about is making sure that you were fit and well and getting better. You know, we didn't didn't want the hassle of having to worry about 
remembering passcodes and security passwords to get and to come and see you. So again, thankfully, I, I don't really have any any memory of that. But uh, again, looking back now and, and looking at you know the the Kurzweil report and everything, the, the media got quite a bit of a bit of stick for it for how they were treating people and how they reported and you know some of the things I've heard you know they were kind of camping outside people's houses you know people that had died and they didn't know where the, the children were but the reporters were there telling them that they were probably dead you know and it's just it's just disgraceful so there was all that going on as well but like I say I just, I just remember just the the masses of, of love and support from from all over the world you know my phone was going mental you know, from obviously friends and family, but also kind of messages that were coming through. And I was getting cards and, and all kinds were just coming through from total strangers, you know, which again was a, was a big help at the time. And I, I think the the story of of how you kind of say from going from just moving your fingertips to being able to move your hands, to move your arm, to then using resistance bands, it, from, from what we spoke about last week, that it kind of really highlights your kind of take take on the challenge mindset um how was it from from there so obviously you you'd found out that you'd had a um a bolt go through your spinal cord but it, it from what we've spoke about it wasn't a case of accepting that for you it was yeah. okay let's yeah i, I think like, again you know one of the one of the memories that i do have from a time in hospital is you know three three people three consultants coming in with white coats on, followed by Gabby and my mum. So I knew I knew there was there was something happening, and probably it wasn't going to be good. Uh, and I, and I think I've, I've kind of had that discussion with my wife. I, I think even again look, looking back, I can remember I can remember asking, think you know something didn't feel right. Uh, you know I didn't I didn't think I'd be paralysed, but I, I knew something wasn't right. And I I remember asking like my wife, you know, various questions, and I, I wasn't getting an answer and everybody I asked seemed to be floating around the the answer, you know what I mean? So it was just like, for God's sake, just, just tell me, you know what I mean? And I think at one point, and again, I don't remember it, but apparently I said to my wife, am I dying? You know, that, that's kind of where my, where my head was, you know, and that's, and I think that's when it was probably decided that I needed to be told because I say, you know, my wife was bringing me, names of people to come and visit me and I actually thought it was people for my funeral you know what I mean so that's where my mindset was so I think a decision was was probably made you know to to kind of put me out of my misery and and yeah and obviously I remember being told you know a bolt had totally severed my spinal cord and actually had lodged had lodged in my spinal canal which is what they had to go in and Bit like the operation game, you know, kind of going in with a pair of tweezers and, and, and getting it out. And yeah, I just remember him saying, you know, you got got T T ten complete spinal injury, going to be paralysed from the belly button down. Uh, not probably not going to walk again. Um, and yeah, I think, like I said to you last week, I think I think we're expecting kind of tears and tantrums. But uh, you know, I think there was a kind of a moment where I was thinking, God, that's it. That's my life done. And then, yeah, just kind of the Hibbert mentality kicked in and it was right, yeah, you know, you, you've got that out of the way. What's next, you know? And kind of doctors looking around, kind of going, right, okay. Um, and then, yeah, I think, you know, the, the way I've been brought up and kind of my mentality 
personally and, and in business, I think, you know, in, in bad situations, there's always opportunity. Uh, and, you know, this, this, you know, was just the same really, you know, I kind of looked at it and thought, you know, there's, there's two ways I go on this. I, I kind of sit and mop about it and feel sorry for myself, which I don't think anybody would have an excuse or be angry with me if I did want to do that. Um, but I've always been, you know, you rather than sit and mop about it, you, you get up and do something about it. And, and, and that's what I did, you know, and uh, even even today when I, when I see the doctors and the nurses and they've said, you know, I wish, wish all our patients were like you because, you know, bearing in mind the extent of your injuries and kind of all the machines you were hooked up to and what you'd been told, you know, whenever whenever we came into your room, you always had a big smile on your face and actually you were more bothered about us. You know, I was more bothered about the doctors and nurses and, you know, as opposed to kind of me feeling sorry for myself. So that, that always makes me smile because, again, obviously, I don't have any memory of that. So that that is me, you know. So to kind of know that was me in those kind of circumstances makes me feel kind of very good about myself. Uh, and, and, yeah, you know, and, and the mindset from that day has always been to kind of, you know, not let the terrorists win uh, and, you know, just just not not give up on life, you know what I mean? Like it, it would be so easy to do so, but uh, I just think, you know, for, for me for me to be like that, it would just be a waste of, of surviving. And, you know, I think, you know, knowing knowing some of the deceased families like I do, I think if I, if I chose to stay indoors and feel sorry for myself, I'd be letting them down as well and, and, and the families of the 22 that died. So that, that's always, that always plays a part. And if I have a, having a bad day, which I obviously still sometimes do, where I don't want to go out and I, I want to stay in bed and I want to have a cry and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, the, the, they're the things I think about that kind of snap me out of it, you know, about surviving the doctors and nurses that, you know, basically worked for 24 hours looking after me, keeping me alive, all the physios and, and everything else that have got me through. You know, I'd, I'd be letting all them down as well as my friends and my family, you know what I mean? So that, that's what keeps me going. And obviously we've spoke about what your, what your path was after that, but um, can we talk a little bit about how you came to going to, to get treatment from Ken in, in Australia after this? So, yeah. So um, after, after Salford Royal, I went to um, the Northwest Spinal Unit, which is based in Southport, Lancashire, uh, on the coast. Uh, for those that don't know where that is, if you think of kind of Liverpool and Blackpool, it's, it's kind of in the middle over, over that way on the coast. Um, so spent, I uh, went there beginning of July and, and left there end of September. So a couple of months. Uh, and again, people with my injury normally are in a spinal unit from anything from six to 12 months. So to only be in it for kind of two or three months, again, just kind of shows you kind of where my mindset was and kind of how kind of focused I was in terms of, you know, not not being there, basically. Um, obviously, even my daughter was still critically ill at the time and I didn't want to be in hospital, you know what I mean? I wanted it to be at her bedside and, and you know, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be in, in hospital or in a spinal unit. And uh, I laugh at it now, but I remember some days where I'd, I'd be doing physio and literally the physios would have to rip me off the machines 
because I was like, no, I've got to do this today. It's like, no, Martin, you, you're gonna, you're gonna like make yourself bleed, or you're gonna open up all your wounds. It's like, no, I'm staying here until I've done it. You know what I mean? And I've like Ben and like uh, Helen ripping me off these machines, saying like, right, if you don't come now, we're gonna be, we're gonna go and get like your consultant, and you know, it'll give you a telling off. But that's just where I was. You know what I mean? I just kind of, I had, I had a focus. I, I used to ban everybody from visiting me Monday to Friday. Didn't want any anybody coming seeing me, which I think. Um, you know, some, some people probably didn't uh, understand or um, kind of agree with. But again, I'd, all I wanted to focus on was getting out. I, I didn't want anything to get him aware of, of, of taking my eye off. Well, we know what it's like when, when you go visiting people at hospital. You do, you, you do, you kind of, you know, you, you, your defence is lower. And I didn't want that. Um, so, yeah, even when I, I celebrated a birthday whilst I was in hospital. So I don't want cards. I don't want I don't want phone calls. I don't want texts. I don't want anything. My mum totally ignored me and turned up with a birthday card and a, a Man United top, which to this day I still uh, berate for. Um, but yeah, that's just where my mindset was. I had a I had a focus, and I didn't want anything getting in the way. My focus was to get out of hospital and to be at Eve's bedside. You know what I mean? And I, and I, and I didn't want anything or anyone to get in the way of that. Uh, and that's just the way that I am. I think that's just the way I've been brought up, and, and that's just that's just kind of where my head is at. You know, if, if people ask me to do something, I do it. You know what I mean? And, and that personally, all in business, and, and that's why I've been successful in pretty much everything that I've done. I think because of that mindset. And that's not to say that I don't fail in things. I do. You know, I'm uh, I'm, I'm happy to fail because again, I see that as a positive. Uh, and uh, I'll only ever fail once at summit, you know, and I'll learn it uh, or I'll learn from it uh, so that if that experience crops up again, uh, I know kind of what to do and how to kind of look at it. So that, that's just the way that I am. And, 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 and like I say, that's hopefully why kind of people love me for, for the person that I am, you know. And so what, what was the first connection you made with uh, Ken before going to Australia? How yeah, did that come about? Yeah, I, I keep uh, going off on the, a tangent, don't I? Oh, that's okay. So, yeah, so when, when, I, when I was actually in the spinal unit, just, just to track back a bit, I think like like many many people probably do when when, when they're sat in a spinal unit, because, again, you do have a, a lot of time. Um, again, I don't know if you've, if you've been to like a, a spinal unit or, 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 or a hospital where somebody is for a long time. You know, as a patient, you know, when you don't have visitors, you have a lot of time to think and reflect. And and, and, and I did, you know, uh, a lot of that was because they couldn't find me a bloody television to, to have. So um, I was kind of like sat there doing nothing. Um, but I did, I, 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 I used that to kind of reflect and, and yeah, just, just kind of be, be in the zone really. Uh, and again, probably like a lot of people at the spinal unit, put in like T10 complete, you know, and, and just did a bit of research about, you know, kind of what what this, because again, a, a T10, you think it's something off Terminator or something, you know what I mean? Like a bloody Terminator machine, T10 complete, you know, what, what is it? What, what does it mean? You know, how, how is it going to impact me? How, how is it going to affect like my bowel, my bladder, sexual function? You know, I mean, didn't, didn't have a clue, you know what I mean? So... Just, just did a bit of research, and then that, that's kind of where 
you know, that it kind of really hit me the, you know, the extent of, of the injury and, you know, kind of how, how my life was, was going to change, you know, and, and that was a, that was a big moment because they do, they, they kind of, they kind of creep, even though you're in a spiral, they creep round it. You know what I mean? They, they don't tell you kind of how it is, you know what I mean? And I, I've not, nobody had told me what, you know, other than obviously, you know, when I was in Salford Royal, but again, don't really have a lot of, a lot of memory from it other than the words T10 complete, you're not going to walk again. So I, I didn't understand what, what it was and, and kind of the impact that I'd be in a wheelchair. Again, I think for, for a long time, I think I'd, be, I'd I thought I'd be walking out of hospital. That's kind of where my kind of head was at, you know? Um, so yeah, I put in T10 complete, will I ever walk again and did various bits of research. And then I, I came across a website uh, and it was a, 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 a via a gentleman called Ken Ware, uh, Neurophysics. Uh, had a read of it and uh, again just just felt an instant connection you know here, here was somebody you know telling telling people with you know spinal cord injuries that there is hope out there so kind of read a bit more saw some of the videos that were on there I don't know if you've had a chance to have a look at his, his, his website and the videos so if you can imagine being in my position and seeing this website and seeing Ken seeing the website, you know, seeing the YouTube videos of people walking and, you know, John McLean, his, his famous client, so the first thing that I did, you know, pressed my buzzer, you know, spoke to my nurse and I went, right, what's this? How, how do I get here? How do I go? And she looked at it and they said, like, turn your iPad off, ignore it. Um, doesn't work. It's a waste of money. It's actually based in Australia, which I didn't realise. Um, so just the words were just just concentrate on kind of getting better and getting getting used to life in a wheelchair, which to this day still makes me very angry. And uh, that is that is the one driver that keeps me going, knowing that one day I'm going to walk into that spinal unit and give them give them the V's. Because um, again, even, even though and I, I, I won't I won't slag them off too much, but like I say, I, I, I didn't enjoy my time at, at the spinal unit. It was very, very demotivating. And uh, I went back. A, I went back a, about five or six weeks ago for a for a checkup, and again, it brought brought back a lot of a lot of memories and a lot of feelings. And it wasn't it wasn't a nice place to be. So again, you know, that's something that I'd, I'd like to change uh, in the future. Um, so yeah, so uh, funnily enough, I'd, I'd come across Ken's website when I was in the spinal unit, but kind of listened, listened to the nurse, turned my iPad off, and never thought about it again. You know, so that was probably July time, and then flick forward to me coming out of the spinal unit around about October time. Um, I'm at home, and as you can imagine, at that point, I'm the only person really talking about the event. So you, you know, I've got I've got uh, an appearance on Good Morning Britain with, with Piers and Susanna. I'm going on this morning. I'm going, you know, what I mean? literally everybody wants a piece of me, and, and I mean literally, like my phone was was literally one of the days. I, had to, I just had to turn, I just had enough. You know what I mean? And it wasn't it wasn't just coming through to me directly. They were they were they were going to my friends through Facebook, Twitter. LinkedIn, 
you know what I mean? And uh, I was getting messages from my friends saying, oh, I've got, I've got uh, the Daily Mirror. Uh, I've just messaged me. They want an interview with, you know, like literally I was getting like uh, probably 15, 20 messages a day. And it was just, again, with everything else that we had on our plate at the time, it was just, it was just too much. So what I used to do, because uh, when, when I was at the Spinal Unit, um, I did an interview with the BBC and ITV. Um, and I, I don't know if you saw the documentary at the time, it was called 100 Days After the Bomb. So that was made by Granada, and I was one of the kind of the, the main characters in it. Uh, so I became close to people at ITV uh, and close to people at the BBC. So I kind of made a kind of an agreement that I'd only ever work with them just because they'd been with me from day one pretty much and they respected my uh, kind of views on I, I wanted to keep Eve totally out of the media because uh, at the time it was that's all they wanted to talk about. Again, obviously given she was, you know, she was only 14 at the time. Um, so again, it you know, probably would have made front page news, but you know, we've we'd made a decision with my ex-partner and, and Eve's mum that uh, we're going to keep Eve out, out, of the, out of the media. Um, and I've uh, just lost my trail of thought. What, what were I talking about? Sorry. Uh, we, we were talking about how you, how you ended up going to Australia to, right. to work with Ken. Right. Um, and literally, I, I, I must have had, I must have had, I think, I've had about, I think I had about 400 messages on, on my phone, like literally emails. You know, like when you, if you do something on Twitter, you get an email about it. So like if you can imagine 400 of them from LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, text, WhatsApp, Messenger, they were just literally, there must have been 400 and odd, if not more. So I just made a decision. I just thought, right, I'm deleting them. So I just went there and just deleted them all. Didn't even read them. Didn't, didn't care. Um, and for some reason, I didn't delete one. And I didn't even read it. Um, and I left it. And I came back to it maybe a week, two weeks later. And it was this woman who I'd never heard of. She was called Fiona Duffy. And again, very, very similar email to a lot of journalists. Hi, uh, my name's Fiona Duffy. I'm a freelance journalist. And normally, I would have just deleted it. But for some reason, I didn't. And I read it. And it was, I've been working with um, a guy called Steve Cook, who in 2015 was, was knocked off his bike. He was a, uh, a professional triathlete. He, he was out one night and uh, a lorry hit him and, and, and basically flung him into a tree and basically every bone in his body was 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 either crushed or broke and, and pretty much kind of given the last right. And, and very similar to me, been, been given a wheelchair and told, you know, that's your life, get used to it and have a happy one. Uh, but he'd gone over to Australia and, and been to see Ken Ware and was stood up and walking on walking sticks and with calipers and on all kinds. And, uh, you know, would I, would I be interested in speaking with Ken? Because uh, obviously she'd, she'd spoken, she'd actually done a, an article on Steve as he was doing some rehab over in Australia. And actually Ken had seen what had happened in Manchester and actually said to Fiona, look, if you come across anybody that you think we could help, then I'd be really keen to, to help. So actually that conversation had already gone on without me even knowing. 
And then I think Fiona had seen an interview that I'd done in the Times, had spoken with Ken and said, look, I think I might have found somebody for you. Um, and the next thing I know, I'm having a Skype with Ken, which I didn't know at the time, but that was kind of his interview, uh, just to make sure that I was ready for it and in the right headspace. And uh, I think he knew pretty early on that, uh, yeah, I was... I was kind of headstrong and, and certainly motivated. And then, yeah, pretty much two months after coming out of hospital, here I am booking a flight to Australia. And I, as I said to you last week, you know, that's just typical me. You know, first, first flight, first flight out of being injured. And, uh, you know, I don't just go to Europe or, you know, to, to Spain. I, I go on a 24-hour flight to Australia. Um, and then, yeah, kind of, kind of looking back, you know, would I, would I, if I could do it again, would I have gone so early on? Pro- probably not. Kind of looking back, you know, to, to go, to fly out to Australia in February after only coming out in, in October, probably, probably wasn't the right thing to do. I, I was still very ill. And I think looking back, that, that was probably the start of kind of me overdoing things and then ending up in hospital with sepsis a few, a few months later. Um, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad I went. You know, you know, to you know, I could only go out for three weeks the first time, but to you know, to to see your legs moving and to be stood up and to be doing things that you'd never thought you'd be doing again was just truly, truly kind of motivating and, and, and inspiring. And I remember saying to myself, kind of flying out there, I'm gonna, I'm going to promise myself that. I don't want to be flying back from Australia with any, you know, with any regrets, you know, kind of going, oh, I wish I'd have given like 5% more. If I'd have given 5% more, I wonder what I would have done. You know, I came back knowing that I, could, I couldn't have given any more. Even Ken, even Ken said like, God, I wish all my clients were like you. You know, you kind of hit it out of the park every day. And even if, you know, you, you, your tank was empty, you still found it. You know, my only regret flying back to England was that I was flying back to England. I couldn't stay out for, for any longer. Um, but again, I think that planted the seed for my next trip that, you know, if, if I was going to go back, you know, to just keep going back for two or three weeks probably wasn't wasn't the best thing. I think, you know, to get the best out of it, I knew I'd probably have to go for a longer period. And I think in my head, I probably thought six months, but I, after kind of speaking with family and Gabby and, and Ken, we, we decided on four months. So this time last year, I'd, I'd literally just flown out to, to Australia for four months, which was, uh, again, Gabby only came out for the first three weeks. So uh, again, to, to have a, uh, over three months being away from, from everybody and being so far away was, was scary. Uh, but again, I think it was, a, a, you know, something that I needed to do for, for, for me and, and for everybody else just to prove that I could do it. Uh, and, yeah, if, if it wasn't for the, the current lockdown, I'd probably uh, be out there again now. And what, what was it like having the year before experienced such a massive change in your life to then go to being in Australia at this clinic where you were able to actually stand up and give your wife a kiss? What was that like?
Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that's the thing, like Ken, he talks about every day being a blank piece of paper. Uh, and the, um, you know, don't even think about it today. You know, today is going to be totally different. Uh, so there wasn't really, a, and again, like even like when I met Steve, the, the person I was talking about before, he, he walked through my living room uh, a week or so before I went to Australia and he, he, he travelled up from Hull and he said, like, have you got any questions? And I was like, I've got loads of questions, but I don't want to ask them because I don't, I, I, I don't want to have any, um, I want it to be a surprise. I don't want to know about anything. Um, so I think he, he kind of went away going, bloody hell, I've come all this way and he's, he's not asked me any questions. But I think he understood when I met him afterwards, I, I think he understood why that was. So I, I just didn't want to have any preconceived ideas about what to expect, what it was going to do. I, I literally wanted it to be a surprise every day. And again, I think probably saying, you know, every day is a blank sheet of paper. Whatever you did yesterday, don't worry about it. Today is a new day, and, and that's what we did. Um, so, yeah, so it's all about, you know, not not thinking about yesterday, not thinking about what we're doing next week or what, what's going to happen when you're going home. It's just about what are we doing today. And that took me a bit of time to get my head around because I am a, I am a forward thinker. I do overthink. So for me to kind of rip that back and just think about what you're doing now, like normally, but like, well, why are we doing this? What you know? What what's that? You know, I'd, I'd normally be asking all various questions. So again, to to kind of strip that back and and just follow an order and not know that there's going to be a result was 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 difficult for me. I'll be honest, but you saw it in the results by you're moving your leg or your your toes moving or you're standing up or you're sitting up straight. You, you're sitting up without uh, having any belts around you and things like that. I mean, literally day one, like Ken had to pretty much carry me and lift me and put me into gym equipment and then had to strap me up like bloody Hannibal Lecter because I had no balance. I had no core strength. I had no balance. Literally within a couple of days, all that had gone. So I had my core balance. I could sit up straight. I could move. I didn't have to be strapped into any of the machinery. So again, I could see... You know, I think I said to you last week, it was a bit like Karate Kid. You're doing all these things, you know, like in the film where he's like, paint the fence, sand the floor, wax the car. You're going like, what the hell are you doing? You know, but actually, and it was very similar uh, to me that I'm doing all these things and I just couldn't quite determine why, why am I doing these things? What are, they, what are they trying to do? But actually, when he, a couple of weeks later, when he was going through it, uh, it actually all made sense. Um, so yeah, so it, it was a, it was a, it was a very steep learning curve. But again, every day just just opened up another little door, or just give you a little glimpse into what potentially you could do. And then that was your motivation to get up the next day and do it, no matter how difficult. And again, you know, I think I said to you last week, like the pain, the stress. You know, when, when people say blood, sweat, and tears. You know, they've obviously been to neurophysics because, you know, that's what every day was like. You know what I mean? Uh, and I can understand why some people don't make it and, and give up. And there were times where I was like, can I, uh, uh, I think I said to you last week, some days, can I have to carry me to the car? Because, like, my body, just, there was just nothing left. And then one of the days, I slept 17 hours. Just because that was it, you know what I mean? But... You know, the next day, you know, I'd get back to the hotel and I was like, 
I don't know how I'm going to do it tomorrow. I don't know where I'm going to get, get the strength from. But I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up and it was like, brand new day, right, let's go. And it's weird. It's weird talking about it, like thinking how, how tired, like literally, if you can imagine, like your mum, for example, running a marathon, that, that's what it felt like every day. But I'd be doing another marathon the next day with a big smile on my face. And like I say, it was just, it was a weird, it was a weird situation to be in. But um, yeah, just, just took every day and then kind of the results just spoke for themselves, really, you know. What was uh, what was Gabby's reaction when he gave her a kiss standing up? It was amazing. Um, like I say, it was, uh, I think I've got a video, I can't, I can't remember if I've sent it to you, but I'll send it to you and... Uh, we didn't, we didn't realise somebody was videoing it actually, uh, but Ken Ken is doing a documentary for Netflix that I'm going to be in, and um, the the video that so we've actually got it on video, and Gabby Gabby's obviously got a tear in her eye as well. But I make a comment. I think like, oh hell, I forget how big I am and tall I am. You know, I'm actually six foot. You know what I mean? Because I've spent like 12, 18 months kind of sat down looking at everybody up. You know what I mean? And if I do, I forget. I forget how tall I am. But that's what I say. Like, God, I am tall, aren't I? So, you know, I'm obviously kiss Gabby. And again, yeah, it just it kind of just takes you back to, and it's an important lesson to have because it's actually what your body's actually telling you is what you're doing, what you're doing. Your body kind of goes into panic mode, into defense mode, where it's telling you to sit down. And, and actually, what you don't see is me nearly throwing up when I first stand up because it's a bit like vertigo. Like, oh, like your body's not used to it. So that took a few days to, to kind of get over kind of stand up and then you'd see Ken running off getting a bucket sticking it under <laughs> me to me going totally white and then kind of getting used to it but again that's a valuable lesson because again it's just your body getting used to what that used to look like and actually it's not it's nothing to be fearful of this is actually just what is normal so again after like, at first I'd be clinching like I was on a, a an Alton an Alton Towers ride you know kind of white knuckle ride but actually, all the time, Kenny's like, right, just relax, you know, like, look around, look up, look around, and just, just get your eyes and your brain and your mind just remembering what this was like. You used to do this all the time without even thinking about it. So that took a bit of time. Um, and then, um, you know, as you'll see on the videos, you know, I was pretty much doing it uh, on my own, you know, um, doing, doing all kinds of things and kind of standing up in calipers, you know, walking around with like a like a, a walking frame, uh, and yeah, it was just it was just mental. And obviously, because you're doing two hours of pretty much like gym equipment every day, you're seeing changes to your body as well. So I'm kind of getting the guns, and you know what I mean. And, and you can feel and see your body changing. You know, when I um, when I when I left um, when I left Salford Royal to go to the Spanish, I'd lost two stone in weight. So again, I'm, I've, I've never been the, the the biggest of guys anyway. Um, but to, to, to be like six foot and only weigh 11 stone, you know, for me was, was, was difficult, you know, because again, I'm, I've never been the biggest of guys anywhere. Uh, but literally there was, there was nothing, there was nothing on me. Um, again, cause I didn't, I couldn't eat or drink for a couple of weeks because of my injuries. I was being fed through a tube in my stomach. Um, so a lot of the recuperation and things was around building up kind of protein and muscle and, and getting all that back, you know, which I'm still finding difficult even, even today to, to kind of put, to put weight on, which uh, 
might not be a bad thing with uh, in lockdown. It means I can eat as much cake as I want, uh, and, and I don't have to suffer. Um, but no, it was a, it was a, it was a testing time. Um, but like I said, just just the changes I saw in my body, things that I was doing with my body that I was told I'd never be able to do. I was sending I was sending messages back to my friends and family and my spinal consultant, and even he was saying. Martin, how are you doing that? You, you shouldn't be doing that. How, how are you doing it? You know what I mean. And, and, and that was that's all. That's all the motivation I need. When you, when you when you've got one of the UK's top neurosurgeons basically telling you you're never going to walk again, but here he is saying, "How are you moving your legs? How are you stood up? How are you doing leg presses? How are you doing all this?" You know what I mean. When, when you when you get people like that questioning. What they know, that's when you know you've 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 kind of hit hit the gold mine. And something that really stood out when we've spoke is that you said when you have dreams that you're never in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and um, again, I, I, when I when I speak with Ken and uh, and I say, you know, I've never I've never had a I've never had a dream I'm in a wheelchair. I'm I'm always able bodied, and uh, even speaking with other people in wheelchairs. You know, they'll, they'll say, no, I, I dream I'm in a wheelchair. You know what I mean? So I know it, it must be something kind of special to have. And like Ken says, you know, that, that's mind and body kind of not not giving up. And, you know, so again, like, I kind of I kind of hold on to that and hope that, that that is true. And, you know, I think kind of having, having a mindset that is like that is, I think, you know, hopefully will stand me in good stead, you know, for further further visits to us in the future. And it sounds like the the experience there with Ken, you described it to me as kind of two minds coming together, that it, it wasn't just the physical side of it, but it was also the psychological side of it was really important for you as well. No, of course. And I, I know that, that's one of the major kind of first steps of, of neurophysics is, you know, getting, getting, out, getting out the trauma. And obviously bearing in mind, you know, when, when, I, when I went to see Ken, it was... Kind of what me? So it was like nine months. Nine months after the event, I've not really had any psychiatric help. Obviously, I'd, I'd spoken with friends and family, but I've not had any real. Let's dig in there and, and see what's in there, because I didn't think I needed it. But actually, when kind of you know doing doing the stuff I had with Ken, when we're doing like the tremors and you know they were so powerful because of all the the trauma that was built up in there. I was literally, if you can imagine like a Smith machine in a, in a gym, that's kind of literally about two or three people won't be able to lift that up. I was literally lifting that up off the floor. You know, that, that's how strong the tremors were. And that's how strong, that's how strong the trauma was that, that was, that was coming up, but that, that was needed to be released to allow the messages to be, you know, able to be got from, from head to toe. So that we probably spent a good a good week, ten days on that, getting rid of that trauma. And there were days where I just burst into tears, you know, didn't didn't understand why. But again it was just just that release of, of, of that trauma and that stress, uh, that energy, that negative energy that builds up. Um and yeah, having having that real kind of closeness with Ken and that in a way that intimate uh, kind of relationship because you, you are you're, you're you know to have that 
kind of closeness for two hours, you know, every day, have, have somebody that believes in you. You're then seeing the results, you know, it just, it just goes up a level every day. So that was a, you know, again, a, a big, a big learning curve, um, you know, and hence why, you know, like I said to you last week, I, I, see him, I see him as family now, you know. And something that you've, you've gone on to since working with Ken, um, because, you know, you, you were in the, the public eye a lot and you had more of a media presence is raising more awareness of spinal injuries and what people can do to help with those. And you mentioned yeah. that you had a, a mentor, Gary, as well. Um, could you talk to us a little bit more about what you've been doing there and how he's helped you? So Gary Dawson uh, is an amazing guy. Um, I first met Gary pretty much on the same day. I was told I wasn't, I wasn't going to walk again. Uh, I think I said to you last week, he, he was just the person that I needed to see because he was a, an absolute nutter. Uh, and, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't underline that and, and put it in capital letters enough, you know, and, and I still remember the words he said, you know, he said, you know, the only, the only person stopping you living a fulfilled life is yourself. And I will never forget those words, you know, despite the medication I was on and, and everything else that was going on. Those are the bits I remember. I don't remember anything else he said, but I remember that. Um, and I just remember seeing a guy in a wheelchair uh, that had been knocked off his bike, uh, kind of 15 years previously, telling me that he goes rock climbing, mountain climbing, skiing, surfing. He goes all over the world. He drives a car. You know what I mean? Like, literally, I was just thinking, like, what? what? Like, you're in a wheelchair. You can't do stuff like that. Um, so to have somebody like that from day one, that I think was, again, all part of me being where I am today. You know what I mean? I see it all as, like, a bit of a jigsaw. And Gary, along with, you know, Gabby and my friends and family and, you know, everybody else, they all came together and it built a picture um and then gary you know will remain on the journey with me you know throughout my life um but certainly through through the early days uh, when i was at salford royal and at, at the spinal unit i used to see gary every week and again having having somebody that knew what i was going through obviously he's got a spinal cord injury he's in a wheelchair he's a man so there were loads of questions you know the, the man questions uh, which I won't embarrass you with today, but uh, you know, again, at that time, you've got so many things kind of going around your head. You know, to have somebody like Gary, who you can ask and and know you're not going to offend, is, is you know, is key. And I said the sad thing is, is that there's only one of Gary, unfortunately. You know, and he covers the whole of the northwest, um, which is a shame. But uh, you know, I think what what Gary did for me you know, both uh, mentally and physically was, was key. And not just for me, for, for my family as well. You know, he, he's, he'll come over here for a coffee and, you know, if there's something that Gabby's worried about or concerned about, you know, Gary tends to have the answer. And, that, and that's, you know, you can't, you can't put a price on that, you know. Uh, and then that's when I was introduced to the Spinal Injuries Association, um, which is... Uh, it's only a very small charity, um, probably 20 to 30 members of staff, uh, HQ in Milton Keynes, turnover of about two and a half million. 
So actually, you know, when you, if you if you compare it to say like cancer research or uh, the Heart Foundation or something like that, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a mere dot. Um, but I kind of learnt, and, and I still am, that you know, the spine injuries do a, do an awful lot. Um, and I, I did a few things with them coming out of hospital. So I, I did a I did a talk at the annual fundraiser. Uh, uh, and I've been doing various various things, but I think kind of the, the crux of it came last year, just before I flew out to Australia. Uh, they asked me to be part of a of a pitch, uh, and if I wouldn't mind talking about my story to uh, members of a, a, a an organisation called the October Club, uh, which for those that don't know about it, it's basically a group of multimillionaires who are based in London that basically choose a charity every year and, and raise money for them, which is normally, they normally raise about half a million pounds for, for, for the chosen charity. On the day that I flew out to Australia last year, I got a call from Nick, the CEO, to say that we'd won the bid and that we were going to be the chosen charity. Uh, so that meant, you know, at least half a million pounds cash that they'd be able to get, which again, for a you know, a charity to basically spend what they bring in, you know, to have a, an extra half a million quid was was going to be kind of life-changing for them. So that was an amazing kind of feeling to have, to know that uh, I was I was part of that. And that even though it bring, brings a real smile to my face to know that I'm using my story uh, as, as, as bad as it is and as uh, obviously I wouldn't want to wish it on anybody, uh, but, you know, to kind of put it to good use you know, uh, so to know that uh, you know that that won us uh, the October Club Charity of the Year 2019, um, and actually, if we if we go to October when the uh, the the dinner was at the Savoy, where I had to get up on stage and, and talk, it's probably actually brought us in close to a million pounds. So actually, they, they've never they've never had anything like it before. They just said, you know, to hear you stand up on a stage and, and talk about something that probably everybody in the room has done at some point, go to a concert and, and actually how, you know, getting a spinal cord injury, it's indiscriminate. It can happen to anybody. You know, I think, and I did, you know, people think when you, when you hear about a spinal cord injury, you think car crash or a motorbike. And actually when I was in a spinal unit, nobody had come off a bike and nobody had been in a car accident. There was me who'd been to a concert there was another guy that had slipped whilst on a cruise. There was another guy that had tripped in New York, broke his neck. You know, all somebody that had fell down the stairs, somebody that had fallen off a ladder, just things that you do that everybody does on a daily basis. So this kind of concept of, you know, spinal cord injuries only happen to people on motorbikes and who drive fast cars, it, it's not at all. It can, it can happen to you, it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. And I think, I think that hit a note with a lot of people and ended up actually doubling what, what they would normally bring in. So I think with the, the money that we've raised last year is the most that they've ever had in, I think, the 20 years that they've been uh, kind of doing this, which is amazing. Um, and then... Um, Shortly after me coming back uh, from Australia, Nick um, got in touch and just said, you know, we, we want you to be a trustee. We want you to be 
on the board. We want you. We want your energy, your positivity, your your influence. You know, we want you to to help drive the charity going forward. Uh, and I didn't. I didn't have to think about it. Um, and yeah, started in November, which again is something I'm very honoured and, and very humbled uh, to do. To know that uh, I'm kind of sat on the board now, and I'll be kind of directing and hopefully having an influence on where the charity goes in the future. And, and that to me is a, a really good thing. That uh, you know, I've, I've kind of been a I've been a patient of, of the spiral injuries, whereas now I'm, I'm kind of on the board and. And playing a critical part in in the shape and, and what they do going forward. I think absolutely testament to your your mindset that's helped you get through all of this and things that you did mention to me last week as well that you managed to actually PB your 10k in a wheelchair and you've been skiing as well yeah. and recently you cycled was it was it across the Italian Alps but in your front uh, we, we 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 did um no, it was a, Tusc- a Tuscany Italian bike ride. So it was okay. Florence to Pisa, or Pisa to Florence, I can't remember which way around it was, 66.2 mm-hmm. miles. Um, so, yeah, I think kind of going back to uh, what would have been uh, May 2018, so pretty much a year to the day when I was injured, there I am starting uh, on the starting line with a, an ex-GB Paralympian, who trained me doing the Manchester 10K in pretty much like weather that we've got today. Um, and uh, I remember I remember Richie knocking on my door with a like a, a really glum look on his face. I'm like, what? What's up? And I thought he'd been called off or something. Uh, and when when we've been doing the training, we've been I've been doing I've been doing about 5k in about 30 minutes but not really pushing myself. Uh, and and, we, and we'd kind of, we'd kind of thought, you know, if, if we, if, if the weather's good, the conditions are good, you know, there's no reason why we can't do it in 45 minutes, 50 minutes. So that, that was kind of the plan just to like proper go for it. So Richie knocked on my door and he's, he's like a, a GB Paralympian. I'm like, what's up? What, what, what has been cancelled? What's up? What's up? And he went, no, I said, I've been out, and he said, uh, "We're not. We're not doing it to a time today." You know, so we took all these things that he put on my chair and stuff. He says, "I don't want any timers. I don't want you looking at your watch because he knows what I'm like." We always wanted it to do it in under an hour. And he said, "Like he said, no. He said we're not doing that today. He said today is just about getting round." And I was like, "I don't think so." And he's like, "Look," he says, "I'm taking your watch. I'm taking all the stopwatches. I'm taking all the timers off your bike." Uh, sorry, if you chair, um, literally, and he says, even if you ask, we're not going to tell you. Um, which to me, it was just like a, you know, a red rag to a bull. You know what I mean? I'm like, piss off. You know, I'm not like silly. I, I need to know the time. He was like, no. So it's 25 degrees outside. Um, he said, you know, like you, you're even lucky to be even doing it today. You know, it's like six months ago, you're in a a spinal unit, you know what I mean? So like how you're even do how you're even in doing it today is, you know, you know, a miracle in itself. So he says, I'm not gonna, you know, jeopardize that by putting a crazy time on you. So anyway, despite me asking hundreds of times around the course, he, he didn't tell me what, what the time was. 
and uh, we found out that uh, we, we did it in 57 minutes, which was uh, which was pretty cool. And again, very emotional. Uh, you know, again to be crossing that line, pretty much a year to the day when you nearly died, and to be doing that. And again, I don't, I don't know if you've seen the footage of, uh, of what Granada did, but again, I was, I was watching it last week. It flicked up on uh, memory on Facebook, and uh, I think it's had like half a million views now. You know, but again, it's just uh, again I, I can't really remember it. You know what I mean? But again, just to see myself, it's like I'm looking at a different person. I, I, I still to this day I don't know how I did it. You know, yeah, but I did, and um, uh, yeah, to, to kind of beat my time uh, when I ran it is again just mental. Um, and then, um, yeah, I've been skiing. I learned how to ski in a couple of days. So I was skiing down uh, the Italian Alps uh, in a couple of days last year. I've, I've been to Australia twice. Uh, I've, I've ridden virtually uh, across Tuscany. And, uh, um, but that's going to be nothing compared to what, uh, and I can't, unfortunately, I can't tell you today. We'll have to do another one. But, uh, um, what we've got planned for next year is, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be big. It's uh, we think we think I'm going to be the first person to do it. So potentially, it's going to be a, a Guinness World Record, which is going to be nice. Uh, and I think uh, we're going to we're going to try and raise a million quid for, for the spinal injuries. And I'm going to I'm going to need 12 months training, which might give you an idea of what it is, um, but. It's good, and that's kind of. I, I need. I need things like that. People, people will probably look at me and go, "You bloody stupid," but I, I, I just don't see. I just don't see the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the disadvantages or you know, kind of the, the things that potentially. I mean, I, I could lose my life doing this. You know what I mean? That, that's how. That's how crazy it is. But uh, I just see kind of me at the finishing point and raising a million pounds and being in the Guinness Book of World Records and, and all the press that that will give and all the spotlight that that will give the Spinal Injuries Association, what that will do for people being told that they can't walk again today, the motivation, the inspiration that that will give people all around the world. That's what I see. You know what I mean? I don't think about, well, actually, you could lose your life. You know, you could, you could get, you could get this, that, and that, that just doesn't, you know what I mean? I, I, like I said to you, I always look at the positives. Um, so yeah, when I, when I can announce it, I'll let you know. Uh, and you'll probably just go, well, what are you doing? Um, but uh, again, it's a challenge. Uh, like I said to you last week, everything that I try and do, I try and accomplish three things, inspire, motivate, and educate. And this is going to do all three and probably a bit more as well. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really excited to, uh, to hear about what it is. Like you said, we'll have, we'll have to do another one near the yeah, time. Yeah, I, I promise I'll tell you when I, when I can. Like I say, we're just, we're just in the, uh, I mean, it's, it's been given the green light, but uh, I think we're, uh, I say, we're just, we're just planning a, because it is, it's, 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 you know, people could lose their lives, you know, if we don't, if we don't get it right. So uh, there's a, there's a lot of planning going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got to put a medic team together, and which again is going to be people from Salford Rail. So the people that have allowed me to be the person I am today are going to be doing it with me, which is going to be. Uh, I thought I'd have to actually grovel a bit more when I when I asked them to do it, but they're like, "No, we're in, don't we?" It's like, yeah. Have I just 
have you just realised what I've told you, what we're doing? Yeah, you, you have, yeah, and we're, we're there with you. So that's going to be nice. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm excited by it. So, yeah, as soon as, as soon as I can officially tell you, I'll let you know. Do you, do you find, looking back, something you said to me was that it's, it's almost like you're like Martin Mark IV right now, that do you, do you think your, your mindset and your, I guess your attitude is, has developed and grown um, since all of this happened? I think you kind of described it as Martin Mark I and Martin Mark IV. Yeah, a, a, a lot of people, a lot of, it's the question that I guess all the time. Um, and sometimes it frustrates me when I, when I get asked it. Not, not the question that you've asked, but the thing of, you know, I don't know what I'd do in your situation. I, I don't know how you, you live the life that you do, like how you smile and you're always laughing. And, and it's like, yeah, because I'm alive. You know what I mean? And, 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 and I get really annoyed when people say to me, you know, oh, I don't know how you, how you live. And it's like, what do you mean you don't know how I live? Well, I don't know if I could do what you're doing. I don't know if I'd be able to do what you're doing. And it's like I've got, to, I've got to take people back and it's like, look, one minute I'm running through the arena, the next minute a bomb goes off, I shield Eve from a lot of shrapnel, I fall over, I'm in a pool of blood, I'm dying. You know, I think this is it. You know what I mean? I spend an hour basically watching my daughter die in front of my eyes, hoping that she gets out and that she's alive. But literally, I'm fighting my body telling me to... Basically, this is it, and and that to, to go through that process, it's hard to put into words. The, the only thing I can say is, it's kind of like making peace with yourself, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It's kind of you, you come to terms with it, like this is it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna see my wife. I'm not gonna see my family. And almost kind of it's an acceptance of the situation. So to go through that for pretty much an hour, and then like lights are out to then wake up a couple of weeks later and still be alive, why wouldn't I smile? Yeah? Uh, and that's why I get frustrated because that's that's why. And I'm not, look, look, you know, like I said to you last week, you know, I'm not, you know, dancing around singing The Hills Are Alive to the sound of music every day because, you know, life's not like that. But life's not like that for able-bodied people either. You know what I mean? Um, so not every day is a bed of roses and I, and I say I don't want your listeners thinking that you know I'm high on life every day because I'm not you know what I mean there are some bloody dark days days where I don't want to be here and, and days where you know I'm pretty hard on myself where I'm, I'm you know I'll, I'll have a shower and I'll just I'll, I'll just you know I'll close the door to my shower room and I'll just I'll stick a towel over it and I'll just cry for 10 minutes you know what I mean but that's that's just how you get on with it and then after that I'm fine you, you know what I mean uh, but I get I get really annoyed when when people when people say oh, I don't know how you live like are you like you still smile you're still laughing and joking and you're still you and and it's like yeah well think about what I've just gone through and I'm still here you know there's there's 22 people that aren't here you know that had lesser injuries than me that were further away from me. So why wouldn't I live life to the full? And, and why wouldn't I want to use my story for good and to inspire and to motivate and, and to live life to the full? You know, again, like I said to you before, if I wanted to sit in a corner for the rest of my life, I don't think anybody would argue with me. 
you know, I think I'd have, I've earned the right to be able to do that. But I've never, I've never been like that. You know what I mean? And, and I, again, to go through that type of experience, um, it kind of makes that determination even more stronger that, you know, the terrorists aren't going to win. You know, so you throw that in. You know, the people that you're letting down, if you don't get out of bed today or you don't do that, you know, your, your wife, your, your mum, your brothers, your friends, you know, the 22 people that died, their families, you know, they, they, they wouldn't want to see me sat in the car and wasting their life, you know? And I get a lot of messages from them saying, like, you know, you're so inspirational, you know, they, they hold me as a bit of a light and, and I help them through things because, you know, I did survive, but actually I'm... I'm, I'm kind of using my life to educate and to inspire and, and to motivate. And I think that's the best thing that I can do given, given what I've been through. And something that's, that's perhaps unexpected for you that, that also came out of this is you've had some, some friendships from maybe people in um, quite, quite famous places as well, that um, not only people close by you reaching out, but also others. Could you tell us a bit more how, about yeah, what... Yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'm a football mad. Um, so I've been a, been a Man United fan. I went, went to my first game when I was seven. So I've been, I've been going to Old Trafford for, for over 35 years now. Um, and uh, one, one of my friends is married to uh, one of the class of 92. So I was in and around at the time of like gigs, Beckham uh, and all them. So uh, again, at the time, obviously, I didn't I didn't realise what was going on, but uh, I think my brothers had and my friends had kind of come together and they'd, they'd reached out to some of the United players just for some videos that they could play me whilst I was in ICU, um, and they got one from Sir Alex, uh, David Beckham, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, Gary Neville, uh, Gary Pallister. So they were amazing, you know, to get those. Um, you know, when I, when I was able to kind of watch it for myself, uh, but I know my uh, my brothers were, were were playing them. I think Gabby was playing them when when I was kind of in ICU and stuff, uh, uh, and then uh, in HDU uh, again. Just just obviously, if I if I was listening and could hear that, you know, to hear those types of messages from kind of my role models. Um, were amazing and again I, I, I watch them every now and again uh, and certainly the, the Beckham one I used to pretty much watch that every day it was, you know that that literally got me through the spinal unit you know I'd, I'd watch it before I went for physio uh, and I'd watch it when I got like literally that that was my kind of main motivator throughout uh, you know getting getting through the days just knowing that people like that were behind me and, and, and pushing me forward. So that was the first bit. And then as I started to do uh, kind of the media side of things and, and be on telly, I, I started to get kind of famous followers, and, 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 and which was which was pretty cool. Uh, and then it wasn't until uh, I went to Australia last year and something that just came about were kind of really, really... Even again, looking back now, it kind of—I still don't believe it's happened. And, and um, one of the one of the guys um, that was out in Australia uh, he, he is actually Australian. 
he, he lives out there, obviously. Um, and he used to drive up to the uh, to Ken you know, for treatment. So he'd pick me up from the from the uh, the apartment. And one of the weeks, his mum and dad were coming uh, visiting. So he said, obviously, I'm not going to be able to bring you up. So I have to, I'd have to get an Uber. Uh, one of the days, this this woman turned up um, in a Mercedes and just kind of hit it off with her straight away. And uh, she used to wait for me at the at Ken's. So rather than like go off and do other jobs and come back, she'd wait for me and then take me back. Uh, so rather than kind of do it through Uber, I'd just do it um, kind of direct. Um, when I was out, when I was out there, I think I, I ended up watching uh, one of the Avengers films at the cinema, and uh, I remember showing Annie this picture of me and Stephen and Lee, and we, we'd gone to watch the End Game, and we dressed up as our favourite uh, uh, superhero. So I went as Spider Man, Steve went as um, Captain America, was it? Captain America. yeah, Captain America, and Lee went as Hulk. And I remember showing uh, Annie this bit. Well, look, that, that's us like going to the cinema. She went, ah, oh, she went, uh, she said, send me that. I said, I'll, uh, I'll send it on to one of my friends uh, who, who knows Chris Hemsworth. Uh, like, um, our our um, children went to school together and like they still keep in touch. And I was like, all right, okay, cool. Yeah, no, that'd be really nice. Like not, you know what I mean? Like it's a taxi driver, isn't it? You know, they, they come out with all kinds. I was like, yeah, well, there you go. I hope, hope he liked it. And then the next thing, a week or so later, it's like, right, it's on. And I'm like, pardon? Yeah, we're on. Um, you go, you go and see Chris Hemsworth. And I was like, pardon? Like, yeah, like Chris Hemsworth. He's invited you to uh, to his house, Byron Bear. It takes about an hour to get there. Yeah, but he's read your story, totally blown away by it, totally inspirational. And yeah, he wants to meet you and talk to you. So I'm like, yeah, what? Uh, and then, yeah, as it got closer, I mean, again, even even when that, even when she'd said that, it was just like, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? And the next thing I know, I'm being picked up and we're on our way to Byron Bay uh, to where, like, Chris Hemsworth lives. And it was a really surreal moment because at the time, if you remember last year, it was when Lee and his brother were uh, splitting up with uh, Miley Cyrus. So they were like, obviously, I mean, in Australia, the gods anywhere, just because of who they are. But uh, obviously, they had the world's press literally on the doorstep. Um, so to even entertain the idea of inviting me to the home when all that was going on was, was special enough. Uh, but yeah, we ended up being there for a couple of hours and in walks Chris Hemsworth. And yeah, just sport like we're speaking now. And uh, kind of, he ended up following me on Instagram, so we, we, we can speak with each other. And then um, he just said, obviously, you know, when he's in London, we'll hook up. And and then he made this kind of uh, comment about, you know, if you get walking, uh, you know, I want to see you on the red carpet. I'll invite you to the Thor premiere when I'm in London. So I was like, really? I was like, yeah. Yeah, but only on the condition that you walk it with me. So that was kind of like, right, that's my target now for uh, for 2021. Uh, and yeah, we've been we've been in contact uh, ever since. And uh, I had a really nice surprise last week. I did, I did a, a live uh, interview with uh, 
the Australian, it's like their equivalent of Good Morning Britain. Uh, it's called uh, This Morning Show. Uh, and I was being interviewed by them. And I just, I just mentioned, like, I'm missing all my friends in uh, Australia. And uh, one of the presenters said, well, talking of your friends, uh, we've got a, a special video for you. And I thought it was going to be Ken. I thought it was going to be Ken. And then up pops Chris Hemsworth saying, like, you know, thanks, Martin. Uh, you know, that time we spent together was really inspirational. And you're an amazing guy and blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, can't wait to see you uh, on the red carpet. You know, so it was just like, oh, my God. So again, like to have that kind of connection and, you know, it's nice to know that, you know, not only am I inspiring, you know, people in difficult situations, I'm inspiring, you know, Hollywood movie uh, idols. And uh, funnily enough, when I, when I did the Italian cycle a couple of weeks ago, I was on um, BBC Breakfast with uh, with Naga and uh, uh, Roger and... Uh, Nick Grimshaw had seen my interview, the um, Radio 1 DJ, and uh, ended up following me on Twitter and then tweeting to his 2 million followers about, about me. So again, I'm inspiring, you know, people like that, which, which is, you know, what I, what I want to do. But again, like with those two, it was like unintentional, you know. But again, it just shows you how, how powerful the, the story is and, and that it can actually change people's lives, you know. I was I was about to wrap up with asking you how you keep a keep up such a positive mindset throughout all of this, but I think, to be honest, with all the stuff that we spoke about, you've you've touched on on everything I wanted to ask already. Um, like anything, you know, it's, it's it's like it's like anything in it. You know, you you can you can look at you know anything going wrong, and you can look at you know the the, the consequences of that action or whatever it is is happening. But again, it's just it's just the way that uh, I've been I've been brought up, and, and you know it is to always look at you know the positives, and no matter how bad a situation is, there's always positive outcomes of it. Um, and actually, when I, when I, when I was in the shower earlier, again, I was just thinking about like the interview, like our interview today. Um, and I remember actually, and I, and, I, and I was thinking about your mum actually, and I think I think we'd, and again, even when I was a private banking manager, obviously I had a I had a portfolio of, of of high net worth clients, but actually the ones that I actually liked were the ones that came in my office kicking and screaming, saying, "I'm going to be closing my bank account. I'm going elsewhere. I, you know, it's a rubbish service." Bloody bloody blah. They were the ones that I, I wanted to bring on board because I wanted them to prove them wrong. And I, th- I was thinking before, I think I met your mum that way. I think she came in kicking and screaming about something. And, uh, and, I, and I said, look, you know, I know that we've, we've got it wrong, whoever it is, whatever, whatever's been done. But actually, just give us a chance to put it right. And, and, and in six months, if you still feel the same, then I'll, I'll help you fill in the application to go banking somewhere else. And I always loved those situations. So again, even in those positions where you had people like literally almost spitting in your face, you know, because they were so angry about some, 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 something, something somebody had done or a letter they'd received or, you know, they, they, they couldn't get a loan or, you know, you know whatever, it, whatever it was, they were screaming. But they were the, they were the ones 
that I wanted because I knew that actually, yeah, you're angry today, but actually in six months' time, you're actually going to be probably one of the happiest clients around. And some of them now, now I've left the bank, like your mum and a few others, I've remained friends because of that, because of that connection, you know? Uh, and that's just, that's just, that's just me. You know what I mean? And I say, you know, if you ask me to, you know, what is it? I, I don't know what, what, what it is and, and, and why I'm built that way. I, I don't know. Uh, but it's funny when, when, when I'm speaking to um, people that are either at Ken's facility or are looking to go, they're a similar mindset. You know what I mean? So it is, it's weird. Um, well, I say I'm, I'm conscious that not everybody will be like that, but it is it is an easy trait to to get into, and it is something that I talk a lot about when I'm doing my motivational talking about looking at the positives and and obviously you know living living and working with like depression and PTSD and and that, and that side you know I'll probably never it'll probably never get away you know it'll probably be something that's always with me. Uh, and, and that's taken me a bit of time to learn how to do that. Um, you know, you, you have to learn how to live with it and learn how to control it as opposed to it controlling you. Um, but it can be done, you know. And I'd, I'd just like to wrap up by saying thank you for putting up with my mum spitting and screaming when she came into your office. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she was spitting, but uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure. Ask your mum. Ask your mum to say like my memory, my memory of stuff before the uh, uh, the blast. It, it, it's not the best, but I'm I'm sure she she was happy about summer, uh, mm-hmm. and I remember going to a clinic at the time. Where, like, I can't remember what road it was, but a little, little small clinic that she had. Um, I'm sure she was unhappy about something, and then that's where we kind of hit it off, and you know, we, we kind of built it from there. But, uh, so yeah, so don't don't tell your mum she was. That's not the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, thank you very much because it, it means that you know we've we've had a, an opportunity to share your your absolutely inspirational story today and I, I thank you greatly for that Martin um, and it's, well, it's been that, if, I can, if I can change somebody's you know perception on live or just change their attitude or the way the way the way they go about things and even if you just do that for one person then then it's worth doing you know and so yeah so thank you for inviting me on and for allowing me to to share my story to to your audience it's a pleasure hope there's, it's many, more. Hope there's many more Maybe maybe we'll get the chance to do it in person yeah, once, uh, well, once this whole situation is over. I'm down in Leeds uh, every couple of weeks, you know, all my friends down there. So, you know, by, by all means, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to have a, a coffee with you and your mum. Uh, she took me to some very good uh, cafes. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to... Uh, you know, your mum's actually been around here a couple of times. So, I'd say you're more than welcome to come around here uh, with her uh, when she's down next. I know she's due a, due a visit. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll meet up in person. Yeah, it'd be fantastic and the the coffees are on me and uh just <laughs> if um if anyone wants to go and find out more about the work you've been doing um what's the best places that they can go to go and see a bit more um so i've got uh i'm obviously on uh twitter uh i'm on uh instagram um so uh these are the bits i always forget so i think my twitter page is at martin hibbert um my um, 
so yeah at martin hibbert is my twitter page uh, the instagram one is the one i always get mixed up it's mr underscore martin underscore hibbert uh, i think there must have been several martin hibberts uh, so they can follow me on there i keep keep everything pretty much up to date in terms of what I'm up to and what I'm doing. Uh, and obviously, um, for the Spinal Injuries Association, they have a Twitter page and a website as well. So if any of your uh, listeners want to find out a bit more about the Spinal Injuries Association, who they are, what they do, and the services that they offer, uh, I'd ask them to visit the website uh, and get involved. You know, like I said before, you know, it's a, it is a very small charity and we do rely heavily on volunteers and fundraising so again if anybody's interested in helping out then by all means get in touch and i'll point them in the right direction thank you very much and um once again thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving up your time today anytime see you soon thank you all for listening to this episode today it was a real special one for me because martin's a good friend of my mum and even though we've never met in person he's treated me like a friend from the off so I'm very grateful for that and I'm really looking forward to doing more with Martin in the future. I've attached and hyperlinked where you can find Martin in the description as well as giving a link for some of the work that he does with the Spinal Injuries Association and I would really encourage you to go and follow and support what he's doing there because he does some really really fantastic work and also check him out on all his social channels too. I'd really appreciate anyone who shared this with anyone that they think will find this inspirational, which to be honest, I think is actually anyone that just listens to Martin speak. Give it a share, give us a follow, give it a review, and I'll catch you in the next episode.